0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. Today, my dog is barking like crazy behind me. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but there's been quite a few knocks at the door tonight. It's Halloween, so this intro is going to be quick, so I'm going to go down and go do some trick-or-treating. Um, so today's episode, we are with... John Campbell, he is the head of SEO at Roast and is now actually founder and MD of voice agency Rabbit and Pork, which as you'll find out is Cockney rhyming slang for talk. See what he did there? Uh, we're going to be talking to John, myself, and I'm also joined by Dustin Coates. We're both going to be talking to John about discoverability. Now, we haven't touched on discoverability for a while, not since we did the episode with Georgia Quinter of Zaza Zoo. And we talked about uh, discoverability and monetization challenges. Today, we're going to be talking about discoverability solutions and voice SEO. It's not necessarily voice SEO, I think that's a bit misleading. We've covered some things on voice search with Dr. Pete of Moz, and we're going to take that forward with this episode with John. John has an immense pedigree in SEO, over 10 years working in the SEO industry, and some of the insights that he's got over the last year and some of the results he's seen over the last year, particularly involving Google Assistant Actions, is absolutely fantastic. We're going to be talking all about getting discovered ...on Google Assistant. We're going to be talking implicit invocations, explicit invocations, some of the techniques and tools and and kind of like analytical data points that you can use to shape the experiences, um, how you get data in the first place. There's no data on voice search at the moment, but John has some data on that, and he's got it purely through just building actions and trying out ideas. So this one is full of insights in terms of what can you practically do to start getting people into your Google Assistant actions... And also Alexa skills. The same things will work with Alexa. This one is absolutely immense, boys and girls. You are going to love it. Without further ado, this is John Campbell of Rabbit and Pork on VUX World. So, welcome, John, uh, to the podcast, and welcome, Dustin, as well. Yeah,
1: good to be here. Good to.
0: Looking forward to this talk today. Mm. So we oh, mentioned, John, you, you are a, a fellow. I you a northerner? Would you say northerner? Where about you yeah, from? Yeah,
2: I'm from Blackpool. So yeah. Oh, fair um, dude. The, the, the seaside resort. And then I had years in Manchester and then I've been down here in London for the last five years. So
0: right.
2: yeah, still a northerner. <laughs> and I live on <laughs> the north side that. of the river as well. So uh, I, I don't get south of the Thames.
0: Yeah, keeping it real. I haven't lost your accent either.
2: No, no, no. Well, until I go back up north and then they all tell me that I have. So, Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's always a classic. Um, All right, so welcome, John. Uh, So you are the head of SEO at Roast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and and about what Roast does?
2: Yeah, so I guess... A bit of a transition at the moment with the role, um, and uh, I guess this is a good point to kind of start, is, is that um, our back, my background is is, is SEO. So um, I've been the head of the, the kind of the SEO department here, uh, leading up kind of the team. And uh, Roast is basically one agency within uh, a group called the TP Group. And the TP Group is essentially we're trying to create specialist agencies. So Roast does performance marketing, so PPC, SEO, paid. We've got a couple of other companies, which are called um, uh, Kitty, who do like creative digital. And uh, we're actually gonna move forward with the voice agency. So we're quite bullish on where voice is going. And I think it's a good indication of, you know, what we've been talking to about brands. So we're actually going to launch a voice agency. So I'm going to head that up. So I'm going to be the, the founder and the MD of that. And we, we we're picking our names. So we've been obviously listening to the podcast and looking mm-hmm. at what other companies are called themselves. And it's voice this, voice that. And we've gone totally left field. So we've called ourselves uh, Rabbit and Pork. Nice. So it's a little bit different. But for those who may know it, it's actually um, Cockney rhyming slang for talk so ah. um maybe for the international listeners who might not know about it cockney rhyming slang is kind of you know uh from the east end of london people kind of used different words to describe things so uh you know up the apples and pears up the stairs and so rabbit and pork was his talk and obviously everything with voice is about talking so yeah that's where i kind of were going and uh you know, we've got one or two clients signed off at this moment in time, but I think it's going to be quite interesting, and hopefully, it means you know we'll be an agency in London that's going to be able to provide Alexa skills and and, and Google Action and, and whatever comes, because obviously, it's really early stages, and so that's quite interesting that you know we're able to do that, and hopefully, in the future, you know we're going to have job roles open, so um, there'll be uh, you know more chances for people to work in this space.
0: Nice. Sounds mm-hmm. interesting so so you're heading up the agency mm-hmm. apple and uh, rabbit and pork did you say? rabbit and
2: pork, yeah, that's the only other thing we need to to make sure everybody gets it right. So, um, well, I
0: think it was only because I had apples and pears in my, in apples my head. Apples and, and pears, yeah. I was thinking of uh, Dell Boy when I was thinking I was, apples and pears. <laughs> um, okay then, so so that's started now, is it? Are you in the farming stage? Yeah, so basically
2: thing? this this first month I, I spoke at a conference, a big SEO conference. We kind of launched it there. And you know we've just got the, the logo and the Twitter handles and everything kind of sorted out. And we've kind of got our first client. So it's a soft launch at this moment in time. And I'll still be working on the SEO side of things and then as and when we progress so it's one of the things that we can do within the, the group that we work in we can incubate an agency and then slowly but surely progress and we've got our existing seo and ppc clients who we can we can talk to so yeah and a lot of the agencies here in london have been doing the same so they've been kind of creating voice departments, working with clients on building these experiences, but we feel like a separate entity will allow us to get that cut through in the market. And more mm. importantly, it means you can dedicate my time and my developers' time to this, and we can really like double down on working out what to do.
1: Mm. Uh, John, if you can define just a few things for the listeners, you mm. mentioned a few acronyms there. SEO, PPC. What what is this yeah. exactly, and how does this apply to voice as well?
2: Yeah, so I guess that's a good place to start. So from from an SEO background, it's all about search engine optimization. And so, when a user is searching for a product on Google uh, or Bing or whatever search engine is the client's website visible. So we work with uh, um, different brands and different companies to make sure that when their users are searching for products, um, we appear and we can use lots of different methods. And it's probably a healthy thing to do, not to be over-reliant on one source of traffic. So for PPC, which is, is paid, uh, pay-per-click, that's the paid adverts at the top of the search engines. And so my history has been in that. And probably in the last two years, a lot of clients have started to realize that there's gonna be a shift in users searching on these types of devices, on speakers, on the assistant, on your phone. So our clients were really interested in to say, well, what are we gonna do when, you know, maybe a certain percentage of those searches are not on web anymore and there's not 10 listings and there's only gonna be one organic listing. And so that's where I started to do some research into well, what is voice search on you know, an assistant in the future. Um, and then that's when I kind of started to realize really, well, it's going to be a mix of web optimization and it's going to be a mix of actions and skills and, and, that, and how they can play a role in answering those questions.
0: So, you, so you're coming at it from a perspective of um, traditional seo traditional search engine optimization is still going to be important mm-hmm. in in the voice future is, mm. is is that kind of does that sound like what, you, what you're saying there yeah
2: i guess what we've kind of realized is that there's and i guess one of the topics kind of to touch upon today was discoverability so in the past um a lot of it's been mentioned in a lot of the podcasts about discoverability and we know there's certain issues with that at this moment in time and i think my history and the agencies and the people that I've got around me here can put some solutions to that. So I think the first one is around the SEO side of things. And there's been lots of, I listened to the podcast that you had in the past. Um, mm, and, Dr. Pete. Uh, Dr. Pete from uh, mm-hmm. Moz. And I listened to some one of the other podcasts as well with SEO. Um, and that's where my research really started was, I, I literally sat in a room one night here at the office and I just sat there with an Alexa device and a Google device and asked it questions after questions after questions. And that soon got pretty boring. And so what we actually did is we, we built a, a little tool. So again, this is coming from our SEO background. When we track rankings for, for, for our customers, so on a daily basis, we want to know what position is our customer for their most important key phrases. We don't do that manually. We have tools to do that for us. So Moz offers those tools and there's a AWR and stats, lots of tools. So we wanted to make a voice version of that. So we've got a tool, which is called like the the voice search ranking report. And that takes a list of key phrases, goes to the Google assistant, asks the Google assistant, the key phrase, and then we record the response. And so in that Dr. Pete um, uh, podcast that you had, you might have remembered that he was talking about featured snippets and answer boxes. So that's where, on the web result you know somebody could ask like um, a question like what is a dash cam or how do i improve my credit score and google will create a specific uh, little answer and so that's generally tends to be the same thing that the google assistant reads out but what we found is that across we ran basically 10,000 key phrases across 20 uh, i think it was like 23 different verticals to get it mixed and what we started to realize was actually featured snippets. And this is my kind of a little a bit of a bugbear with the SEO industry is that a lot of them are just talking about featured snippets. Whereas these devices, we know that they're using lots of different sources of information to answer that question. So if you're a restaurant business or a hotel feature snippets are not really going to help you on voice because whenever you ask a, a, a location-based question to Google, the Google Assistant, they respond with data from Google My Business. Mm-hmm. So as much as you could try and get a feature snippet for the best hotels in Paris, that conversation from the Google Assistant is always rooted towards Google My Business. And if we think about on uh, Amazon, it's always Lit yX. So I think what we found from that, and the most interesting point was about um, implicit invocations which I think has been mentioned a few times so that's the idea of saying okay Google and I'll use the example we've been testing is house prices so Mm -hmm. what's the average house price in Coventry or Sheffield and so what we found from running these key phrase tools is that the Google Assistant won't read that out because it doesn't have a good answer box or maybe the answer box that it has is too complicated to read out and what we found is that you could start to create an action and that action contains the answer to the questions. And so that Google will go, oh, well, I can't answer that question straight away, but you might want to talk to house prices, which is an action that we created. And I think it was mentioned in one of the podcasts before is that these devices, you know, they're not AI, they're not answering every possible question it's up to the developers and it's up to the, the data that you know Google and Alexa have. And so one of the things we're talking to brands about is, do you have the data? Do you, Can you provide the answers to some of these questions? And if so, maybe building an action or a skill would be a good place to start because we can put it out there and then straight away, one of the discoverability issues is solved. Mm-hmm. People asking generic questions, are now all of a sudden coming across your action or skill. So yeah, and um, and it's really interesting to see because I've been deploying these actions and skills as tests, and there there is literally like thousands of people just asking random questions on a daily basis, and and people are really willing to try out, and you know if Google can answer it then there's an opportunity for brands and and different users to come in and say, you know, I'm going to create this experience, I'm going to create this skill, and it's going to be implicitly invocated.
0: Is there anything that – because I can see from um, – we'll put the link to the, the report from April, I think it might have been. In, in, in fact, it must be after April because what I'm looking at here is stats from, from July. so Yeah, we did it
2: twice. So we've got uh, – right. first, we basically ran it in two quarters and we'll run it again because we want that comparison over time. But, yeah, go okay. on. Okay,
0: so, so, so what it's looking at then, and, and I forget whether this is from the report itself or whether this is something that you might have shared in the WhatsApp group, I forget. But essentially, it's showing a graph – And maybe I'll put this in in the show notes as well. And it's looking at um, 200 key phrases. um, And it's looking at pre, um, kind of like end of July, you've got maybe 50 out of 200 were answered. And like 150 to kind of 130 weren't answered. But then you've been, as you mentioned, experimenting with actions and creating actions for some of these things. And, and since July, and I don't know whether, John, maybe you can confirm this, whether this is because you've launched an action or yeah, whether it was. it's because Google... Oh, it was, okay. It fine. was my action, yeah. So So since you've launched the action then, it seems as though probably over 50% of the um resp- of the queries that you've tried have actually been answered via the action yeah, itself yeah.
2: so yeah the idea is that we use the tool to basically it's like a gap analysis where can google not answer then we say right we're going to create this action build it in the correct way think of the phrases that people would would use which is hard because there's no keyword mm-hmm. research tools at this moment in time the best research is just having a conversation or testing with people And then as soon as we basically, as soon as the action is launched and it's live in uh, with Google, they basically say, yeah, this is a really good way of answering this question. And I think a little bit of that is because we're still in early stages. So basically Google is probably recording how many times on a daily basis across their network Google goes, goes, sorry, I can't answer that. And so they're really willing for people to come along with these actions, which can provide the answers. Um but yeah, the, the graph in your share is basically Google can't answer much, it can't answer much. As soon as we launch the action, everything around those questions can be answered and we're the, the provider of that. And I think it's really interesting for brands because there is only one result. So if you can be the one that owns that result, you're gonna basically you're before your competitors. And the other thing is that when it does an implicit invocation, you move the user into the action. So now you can start to control that conversation. So what I, I, I and I've seen this from the logs in, in dialogue flow is that people come in and they go, oh, what's the average house price in Coventry? And then I, it says, you know, the average price is X. And then, I, and then I basically prompt them and say, well, do you want to check another location? And then the user then keeps asking and keeps asking. And I'm not sure if this is UK because there's somebody in the Northeast <laughs> who keeps asking about prices in Middlesbrough, then Sunderland, and then they obviously get a little bit um, uh, kind of jealous and they start asking about average house prices in California and San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and it's amazing to see what people are willing to try and willing to use. And then that data then fuels the invocations that I keep adding and then and then you and then you keep learning and keep learning which is something that's obviously been we spoke about is you can't predict what people are going to say and mm-hmm. but yeah that's very much kind of coming at it from a non-brand perspective so people who might not know about your action they might not know about your skill implicit invocation is an absolute great way of driving users into it and you know it's about thinking about what are those use cases where what are people asking to these devices and where could there be holes where Google can't answer? So, you know, anything around locations or hotels or health, Google is pretty good at answering that because they've got data. But what we found is anything like transport, property, technology, fashion, Google's not answering many of those questions. Um, And that's just on Google. And then from the Amazon side, there's a thing coming through, which is can fulfill intent. And so it's kind of a similar model. And so you're basically saying my skill can answer this intent, can answer this intent. So maybe Amazon, why don't you suggest this to your users? Um, And I think it's a good good platform because it's going to reduce the amount of times that those both assistants say, no, I can't answer this.
1: Mm. What's the... Ultimate value to the brand here are people coming back to the skills and actions. Is this the branding play? Why why should a company focus on this Mm. right? So I think
2: There's there's two elements and one's probably not the the greatest element from from a a kind of a user point of view but it's is very much and I think it has been mentioned before it's very much first to market so if we think about when you know any emerging tech comes along, like the internet or Twitter or, or Facebook or I think uh, recently uh, it was Amazon, uh, sorry Instagram, where you put like the longer videos on there, brands are going to want to kind of jump on there because they need to you know make sure that they start a presence. But I think it's been accelerated by the fact that there's only one result. So. Brands are going to want to try and get in beforehand, get the data, start to learn, get a a better experience. So I think it's very much around Their brands are going to be worried that people are asking generic questions. And, you know, if if they're asking a question about, um, say, for example, credit scores, you know, the main credit score company here in the UK that we work with, they're going to want it to be them responding to the action rather than one of their competitors. Um, but I'm I'm quite conscious, and when we've been talking to clients, we're saying that this idea of being able to control certain questions is only one small facet of creating a really good user experience for for, for voice, and and as we know from previous podcasts, it's, it's got to be supplemented by coming up with a good use case, So what is a good use case for, you know, um, for your company, but as part of that, could you have something that's built into the action, which can also answer some questions. Um, but I think it's dependent on the business. One of the things I've been testing out recently was the idea of, um, it's a big trend is second screening. So when you're watching TV, you sit there with your mobile phone and then you'll do related searches. And so recently in the UK, we've had the, uh, the Apprentice, which is a TV show, which many people in the US will know for a certain Mr. Trump used to be on it. <laughs> and so here in the UK, it was recently on season 14. And so I was thinking, you know, surely people are gonna be sat there watching The Apprentice and then they'll be like, oh, I wonder who he works for. Or I wonder how old this certain individual is. So I just created the action. So there's an action on uh, Google called The Apprentice UK. Uh, there was no problems with uh, branding or or any kind of <laughs> anybody from the BBC. I mean, maybe when somebody from the BBC hears this, they might want to take it down. But <laughs> essentially, it just does simple things like so: who is David from the Apprentice? Where did he work? Where did he kind of? Um, Uh, where did he uh, how old is he Uh, what university did he do or when was he sacked or who won group who won week one who won week two so that's more of a kind of a a less on a a kind of a it's more of an experience so it's kind of like a a co-branding so it's that's the other thing Side of things is that maybe there's people out there that are asking questions uh, that is related to your tv show to your film to your music to your football team and you know maybe you want to be the one that answers it rather than letting google go to a third party web result or google not saying it and um, so that's another interesting side of things that we're looking at as, as well and um, but the big problem for brands is that there's no keyword tool so when we look back at seo and ppc there's a key there's a thing called the google keyword planner so it allows pretty much anybody to go into the tool and say, right, how many people a week search for VUX world? And it'd be like, Oh, 30,
0: 55 million, 55 Brody.
2: million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we can then make a decision, right? Well, lots of people are searching for this. We should start to do some paid search or we should try and rank for that organic key phrase. Um, and there's been lots of these statistics about, you know, X number of people will be searching via voice by 2020. And, that, that stat, which is the 50% stat, is trying to have one statistic across a massive key phrase set. And, you, and if I go to a business and the business says, well, how many people are searching on voice? Because they might be saying, oh, I don't think anybody's searching about hotels on voice. We can't really give them a definitive answer at this moment in time because Google and Alexa aren't giving us that data. But one of the, the things that's interesting is if you build a skill – and, and, uh, or, or an action you will get some of that data so for example that the house price one that I mentioned before in just one month I'd seen about 1,500 searches so that's people basically similar to impressions so 1,500 times Google in that month was like do you want to talk to house prices and then you'd get how many people say yes and how many people say no and the equivalent key phrases on web was about 5,400. So in terms of that little pocket of key phrases, just about people asking average house price here, average house price there is 22% is via voice already. So kind of halfway towards that 50%. And um, But that's an interesting way of you've got to build it, get the assistant to then invocate your action and then you get the data out of the back end and then you can then start to go back to your business and say, yeah, there are people searching for this or actually this is a terrible idea. Nobody searches for these kinds of key phrases. Um but yeah, from a business perspective, it's really hard to to kind of start to prove that case because a lot of this is hype at the moment. And when I'm trying to get marketing budgets out of companies, you know they can get really good detail from us from an SEO or a PPC or a display point of view to say, this many impressions, this click-through rate, this is the conversion rate, average order value, we're going to get you this many sales. Whereas voice is still a little bit, mm, we're not really, really sure. And so the, the companies that are doing it at the moment are probably doing it on um, uh, brand budgets or testing budgets. Um, so less on the kind of the acquisition side of things. But and I think that's an area where the whole industry and, and the data from Google needs to improve. And once that does improve, we can then work with more, more and more companies. But I think the companies that are doing it first are the braver ones.
0: Mm. You've covered, I think you've covered. You've covered so much in that last five minutes. I just want to sort of recap so that I'm, I'm getting this straight in my mind and 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 hopefully kind of summarize what what you've kind of been saying there. So on the first first side of things is you're saying that sometimes google uses the featured snippets so potentially still investing in in your on-site seo and organic seo is a good idea yeah because
2: they're the ones that are going to appear on web and voice but not always yeah
0: okay and then the second thing is that if you were to create an action that is centered around answering specific questions around a certain topic area then Google is actually, in seemingly according to your research, um, prioritizing the action actually more than it is giving you a search result in a lot of cases.
2: Yeah, I think, and this is where, this is where the data we keep delving dive down into it, and I think what we've found is that if Google's got a really good featured snippet that they trust and they show basically every single time and they've been showing it daily, it's quite hard to overtake that one. But where Google doesn't have a feature snippet at all, or the feature snippet is kind of in and out on a, on a daily basis, that's where they seem to want to prefer that. So we can track featured snippets on web using a tool called STAT, S-T-A-T. And basically that's just a, a scraping tool. It scrapes Google's results, and then it puts it in a nice format for us. So I can start to use that data and go, ah, there's no answer for that key phrase. There's no answer on voice here's a potential option, let's build it into our um, uh, our Google Action and then see. But it's all blind up until you actually do it. And then do we get the data? Is anybody searching for that? Whereas we're more used to in PPC and SEO before we make that decision to try and target that key phrase, we have some data beforehand. Um, but I think the big suggestion is if you're a business or you're somebody that's creating something like this is, just sit there and ask the questions to the Google Assistant and see what it can answer and see what it can't answer. If you answer, if it answers everything with local listings, there's not going to be much chance of playing. Um, and the other thing is, think about what data sources Google has. So flights, if you ask anything about flights, Google basically just goes and uses their flight search tool. Um, so yeah, if you're Skyscanner or if you're a flight company, you're probably not going to be able to be suggested as that point.
0: Mm. So then, so so that's so that's the first two. Then so still investing in your organic search, creating an action where you see. Value potentially if it's not using featured snippets, or if you if you can sense an opportunity, being careful not to use or or tread on Google's toes in terms of what it already provides, because you're probably not going to get anywhere. But the other thing you said was really interesting was that by in, by in by creating the action, you then have the potential to keep people hanging around, and I think that's really important because you know I know that there is certain um, benefits you get through being a featured snippet in a web result in that, you know, quite often if it's sometimes a fact-based thing, and this is what Dr. Pete was saying, if it's fact-based, a featured snippet, you probably won't go any further than that. So when's the next bank holiday or it's next Monday or whatever, you probably won't go any further than that. But sometimes you might get additional click-throughs by being the featured snippet onto the website. But the, the, the additional benefit then of having the action is almost, in a sense, it's similar to getting that click onto the website and that someone's now in your action, they're in your world, and then you can start potentially, whether it's offering them other things things as you were saying in terms of do you want to check this out instead or you've almost got a little bit more control there haven't you if you can if you can get them inside the action in the first place
2: definitely and and for those the coders out there you know that once you've got them into your action you then you then can decide what's the prompt that you're going to give the user to to say something else or do you want to then send them a link to their phone and go multimodal um and then you've got their device id so that that you know if they return you can then personalize the message and say oh hi welcome back last time you asked about this this time you asked about that and um, and yeah it's it's especially that's what brands are really interested in because the feature snippet is just kind of a one way conversation the the assistant or Alexa will just say something. It'll just say, the height of the Eiffel Tower is X, or this is how you improve your credit score, whereas it's, this is how you improve your credit score, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to find out more, or what's your credit score? And then you can continue the conversation. And the other thing that I I, I really like is that you then get more data. So we're almost starting to use this as kind of an insights tool is that, well, the user came through asking this particular question, but what actually we found is that this is what they were really interested in. So a few examples of the house prices one is that people start off quite high in terms of geolocation. So what's in Manchester, they go to Didsbury, and then they go it literally to a street level. So then that can inform uh, you know, companies to say, well, you know, when people are thinking about housing, they're really interested at a street level um, and user behavior. We also saw... Um, logs of somebody saying how much is the house worth in front of me so that was somebody using the Google Assistant on their mobile thinking that and so then straight away I'm like okay I need to use the uh, location you know to, to ask for the user's location and then we can go from there and so it even gives you more ideas and and, and stuff for how you can then improve your action, uh, action further on um, and I think this is really important for those maybe those individual people out there who are trying to build actions and skills that aren't brands because they're not going to have the budgets to do some tube advertising or TV advertising to say, hey, we're on the Google Assistant or, hey, we're on Alexa now. But you could almost come in and, uh, and try to, to you know generate users coming in that way. Um, and so, yeah, it's a different side of things. Um, but also, I think it's, going back to my history of SEO and PPC, it's a nice way of having... You know, some of the people coming in are going to find you from a non-branded point of view, asking the generic question. But then some people are going to come via explicit invocation. So, you know, they, knew, they know that you're on the platform already. So having a nice spread of, of kind of users coming in means you're not over-reliant on, on one or the other.
0: Hmm. So, okay then. So still, still invest in, in traditional SEO. Build your action to try and capture some of that that traffic where there's opportunities there once you've got people inside your action you get the benefit of of trying to keep them hanging around but then also the benefits of getting the the data from the action which tells you where you might be able to improve it and also to actually figure out whether or not people are searching for that stuff in the first place that's an interesting point as well i think we kind of we kind of went past that one but because there's no search data available only by building it and, and seeing what happens on it that's where you can then get that data from i think that's all that's all really, really insightful stuff that in terms of for, for those looking at kind of building Google Assistant actions, is it as simple as just building the action and that's it? Or do you need to do something like on Alexa, where you use the kind of uh, can fulfill intent option? Is there anything you need to do when you actually build it to, to tell Google that you can do this thing?
2: Yeah, so I think there's two elements of it. The first of all, is that when you um, and so for hopefully those can, can follow. So once you've created something on, on Dialogflow, you basically go over to the Google uh, Action Console. And um, if I'm remembering my terminology right, because I'm remembering lots of terminology here, my old SEO <laughs> stuff, my PPC stuff, and then I'm moving into this one. Um, but yeah, you can basically say that... Um, this is my welcome intent, so basically this is the intent that I want the the Google Assistant to start with. And then you can say these are all the intents where implicit invocation is possible. And so when you're building an action and you go through that process, you'll probably notice the, the boxes which basically say, which intents within your action can be implicitly invocated. Um, so that's that's more from a technical side of things. The other thing is you want to just think about how you're going to structure your different intents. So you're gonna have to create separate intents for maybe different combinations of, of searches. Um, so say for example, on the apprentice one, I have one intent called, uh, where is candidate from? And essentially that one intent and then we, for the candidate's name, I've used a um, a custom entity, which is basically, uh, you have, when you're developing, uh, you have custom entities, which are basically ones that you decide as a developer. And then you have built-in intent entities, which are essentially where Google and Alexa provide you with things like colors, dates, et cetera. So they're all built for you, so you don't need to like program the data in there. And so you do one intent, and that intent then can match to whether somebody says... How old is David? How old is Robert? How old is et cetera, et cetera? And then the final thing, and this is the hardest bit, is that you need to then come up with as many different possible ways that people could possibly say that. So how old is Robert? How old is Robert from the apprentice? How old is the apprentice's Robert? And and keep keep going. I think I saw a stat which was from Google that just for the alarm – the alarm on Google. They said that they'd seen like maybe I think it's like five thousand different ways that somebody could say put on the alarm. Yeah. And if you think that's quite a small intent, a small you know, how you can sit there for five minutes and try and write it out. And I only came up with twenty. And and that's where my my team, the SEO team that I have in my background in SEO, comes in. Kind of good is it, it, good because we have a tradition of thinking, what are all the different key phrases that people could use? And how can I try and rank for those? So you're looking at, and I think this is mentioned in the past, search console data, data from your call centers, and um, data from internal search. If you've got a chatbot, these are all the data search um, sources. The only thing is they're all typed. So they're not a voice one. And I think we already know, and I know from the data that I've seen is that the voice queries tend to be longer. Mm. And so this is where you're going to have to do some testing and literally get three or four different people who don't know about what you're doing to basically say how many different ways could somebody ask for this question? And the more of those sample uh, utterances you can come up with, the better coverage you're going to get. So I think in that, that graph that you were talking about before, When I first built it, my list was quite small. And then when I built the list further and further and then redeployed, it grew and grew and it grew and grew over time because I started to cover off more of the different phrases that users said. And again, there's no tool for that. It's just kind of try and come up with all those different combinations of phrases that people come up with. And there are some data points that you've got there, but none of them are like actual voice data. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the the main thing. But I just learned it from just messing around, creating things. And some of the actions that I've created, absolutely nobody uses them. So I am contributing to that big list of people not using them. And I, I will take them down and I will delete them. But it's only, and this is a very much a methodology from SEO, it's only th- when you test things and you work out what doesn't work, then you start to understand what does work.
1: And that's, so, John, you're mentioning right now that uh, it seems like to, to rank in a lot of things, it's as simple as creating an action or creating a skill. Yeah. Uh, this, this isn't going to work forever. So what yeah. do you think is the future of ranking and voice?
2: Yeah. Voice? So I think an, an example that I think I mentioned um, at previous talks that I've done is that in, in the UK, there's, there's about five or six uh, actions that have been created which use the Transport for London API and so that API allows you to basically say, what's the status of the different underground, the tube lines? And so there's five or six companies that have done this. And they've all enabled in, in, implicit invocation as far as I can, uh, can see. So now Google's got five different actions. Which one does it pick? So this is the future. So if, if there's three or four different companies that are all trying to do this because they want to be the, the, the action that is uh, invocated, How does then Google and and Amazon start to rank them? And when I was thinking back to this, this is the same problem that I've been trying to solve and work on for the last 10 years. How do I get to the position one, two, and three in in search? And it's going to be around the the data that Google know. So they they know about your ratings. So the higher the rating, surely that's a good indication uh, of quality. So they're going to invocate those ones with higher uh, ratings than lower ones Um, and the other thing is that they've got data on your latency how long the conversations go you know the 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 length of the conversations how many intents the user goes through so they've almost kind of got like analytics on everything and so therefore they're going to be able to judge the quality of your action and what will hopefully happen in the future is that you know if there's 15 different actions that all do the same thing the one that's got the highest quality will rise to the top. The only other thing that I was thinking about um, was personalization. So you could actually say, I'm more of a BT uh, sport person than the BBC or Sky Sports. So if I ask any sports questions, I want you to invocate the BT sport action if they ever had one, et cetera. So I think personalization could come into this uh, in the future. uh, and, and then there could be other stuff which is around about linking that up with your previous history and maybe your search preferences and um, and so therefore you'd get that um, better experience and um, but yeah I, I do think they'll have to do something because in the future it, you know the more people that start to understand about this it will be the same thing that we saw with seo and web is that People will start to flood in and they'll try to kind of just spam the marketplace and um, by adding these things. But at least this time, Google has much better data on understanding quality. Um, and 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 that's what Google has has got the advantage over Amazon somewhat, because Google have got 20 years of basically an algorithm which judges web results. So they can probably use some of that learnings and the knowledge through to that whereas Amazon have got a little bit of that but it's more being related to you know ranking products in product searches and um, but that seems to be something that they'll they'll move towards
0: mm, that's interesting that's interesting now you because that's essentially what Google do a lot of the time with SEO as well, isn't it? Is that a lot of people think when, when you first come across SEO, you think it's all around just finding out what people are searching for and just creating some content that matches what people are searching for. But, but it does take into consideration stuff like page load time and whether or not your website's mobile responsive and a whole load of other technical indicators, doesn't
1: it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way that Google has been moving towards is what are those technical pieces of data that can indicate a good user experience and and when I think back to what we've got in SEO is that as soon as the user loses, uh, sorry, leaves the search result and then goes through to the website, Google can't really see what you're doing on that website because they don't have data. I mean, they've got Google Analytics on a lot of websites, but they, they, they can't really rely on that. Whereas if you look at the, the platform that they've put together, they are getting all the data back because you get those reports in in, in uh, the action console and, and dialogue flow. So it does seem like they have set themselves up from the start, which means that if that future comes around where they've got lots of different, you know, actions they're all trying to vie for that same spot, at least they're gonna be able to get the data to then say, these ones are rubbish, never invocate those ones, these ones aren't but going back to kind of what we were saying before, we're still early days. So therefore I think there's a more of a willingness for Google to say, let's just get these actions answering these questions because that's maybe better experience than Google just going, oh, I can't help you on that at uh, this moment in time. Um, but yeah, that's all kind of the one side of things. And then, and then the other side of things that we're thinking about is, is, is more the explicit invocation. So if you've created, you know, an action and you're you're a big brand, is then how do you get that out there to your customers? And so this is where, um, uh, especially the the new agency rabbit and pork, we are we're going to be concentrating on building actions and skills, but also thinking about media plans to say, right, we've built it. How do we then let everybody know about this? So um, some of the some of the team uh, uh, are from a mobile background, and it's got some parity with apps. So if you remember like you build an app, you spend ages building an app, you then put it on the app store and then it's live, and then you're like, hey, great. And then all of a sudden like nobody's using it. And so that's where like companies have come around about app store optimization or paid apps or um, working on kind of cost per install models. And so that's what we're thinking about is, you know, coming up with, you know, good creative to then think about advertising on YouTube advertising on um, you know, the Google uh, delivery network or PPC advertising, or you might have seen Gmail-sponsored ads. So Gmail-sponsored ads is a really good one because if you've got Alexa or if you've got Google, you'll probably be receiving the weekly Alexa email, which tells you what's going on. And so Gmail-sponsored ads essentially is a, is, a, is a Google product where you can have a little sponsored advert at the top of your um, Gmail box, and the way that the targeting works there is you say, I want this advert to display to users that will receive an email that says Alexa. So straight away, you can tap into, you know, I think this is a, an Alexa user, so I'm going to have a little advert there to say, hey, you know, we're Argos or we're Halifax or you know we're ASOS, so all the people that we've been seeing recently launching actions and, and, and skills is these are the, dis- the different kind of areas of of, of driving, you know, explicit branded traffic into it. And um, we just had uh, conversations recently with Amazon and Google, but more on their, not the Alexa side, more on their paid side. So one of the things you can do is uh, Amazon Amazon Mm -hmm. advertising. So Amazon advertising is where you can buy banner adverts on Amazon website. So on Amazon, IMDB, they own quite a big network of websites. And they allow you to put those adverts out there specifically only to Alexa users. So they're using their, what they call their kind of their, their DSP across their own inventory. So basically saying, we know that the people visiting these websites are Alexa users because They're logged into their Amazon account, and we know that Amazon account is associated with an Alexa device. So therefore, you can, say, pop a little banner up and say, hey, you know, do you want to try this? And so that's what we're trying to think about now is that clever targeting, which, you know, companies have used in the past to try and, you know, advertise, you know, a certain product. But how can we do it to home in on these are the Google Assistant users, these are uh, Alexa users. So the same thing with Google, because obviously Google has a massive advertising kind of platform, is can we display PPC adverts or um, can we display adverts across their, what they call the Google um, uh, kind of delivery network that are basically, you know, to say, hey, we're on the Assistant now. And we know that when we're we're only ever going to display the advert in front of you know people that own the devices and and then you probably see now i I walk around checking on the tube any of the tube adverts because that's quite popular in london Um, quite a lot of companies have been displaying you know like adverts to say hey disney's now on on alexa and and this company and that's company and so that's the other thing that we're thinking about is it's not good enough just to build it and then release it you've got to have kind of a marketing plan in place and tracking, so how do you judge the quality of the advertisement, which is still a little bit flaky in terms of getting that down to a, this user saw this advert, did they actually use it? It's, it's a little mm. bit hard at this moment in time.
0: Mm. There's always been challenges in the mobile space with that as well, hasn't there, in terms of attributing conversions to the original source where they first kind of come into contact with something. I know that I think you can do some clever stuff in Google Analytics where you can tie stuff back and all that. But it sounds as though this is a similar sort of problem, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, so so in that example you use like an SDK which basically tracks a user from they saw this advert, they clicked this advert, they site they downloaded the app, and then we saw that same user or device ID on the thank you page within the app. And then we can basically Tie up that journey, and then we can say, "Yeah, it is actually worthwhile us bidding on this key phrase." And something that Google eventually did with with apps is that they basically have done it all for you. So, you if you want to get Android app install installs, you basically say to Google, "Here's this money. I want to target." people in london of this demographic xyz and then it it does it for you and it places ads on youtube it places ads on ppc it places ads on the android uh, app store and then it just does it automatically and so that might be something that comes in the future which is a paid model which is google might say give us some money and we can then get your google action in front of Potential users, because we know who are the com- who are the users that have a Google Assistant. Because you, to get to use a Google Assistant, you've got to use your Google account, so it's all kind of tied up. And so, therefore, that could be something a monetization in in the future, which is helps them get some money in, but it also maybe solves one of the discoverability problems, which is that you can now advertise that you know you as a brand is on the platform and now you can get in front of, of, of users. Um, but yeah, there's lots of different options like social, paid social. I've seen lots of paid social adverts. So if I'm on Twitter or if I'm on Facebook, I've seen adverts for the Alexa game called When in Rome, which is a, a board game. So I'm they know that I've got 12 Alexa devices or something stupid. Mm-hmm. And so I keep seeing that advert and they know that because of, of this and that, and um, so that's where we're we're kind of looking into things and didn't the market's early on and it still got to mature, but you know, the some of the brands that we're talking about are, are talk talking with are talking about TV ads, you know, and I think I mentioned it on um in the past it was when the Bake Off which was on last night the final, I won't say who won it in case anybody's <laughs> catching up, but you know Alexa sponsored the. Bake- off. And so you're going to start to see maybe in the future companies saying, you know, they're going to use those advertising slots to say, you know, we are now on the Google system, So you can order pizza via the Google system, You can order this and that. And I think that's going to, you know, somewhat help the discoverability. But it's going to be for those brands rather than the you know the individual skill builders you know trying to build a skill for the Alexa skills challenge or build something just you know personally um, but you know they, they might open that advertisement up to um individuals and say you know here's 200 pounds credit you know so rather than doing the Alexa developer awards or rather than doing the uh, the the credits for um Google Cloud services or AWS they might say here's some credit that you can use for these these platforms so that's where i, I can see it moving in the future based on what's happened before in in kind of in in mobile app uh, install kind of programs
0: mm it's it sounds it's like one of the difficulties i suppose is that and i think we mentioned i think Georgia Quinto when he was on the podcast might have mentioned this as well is that it's very difficult to attribute advertising to actual action uses or skill uses isn't it because i mean let's say you advertise on youtube or you advertise on facebook how do you then know whether or not that was the thing that that caused, cause, because because obviously it's a voice thing, and it, I know you can you can enable them through the app, but I don't know whether you get deep links into the app or not, dear. So it's kind of like that's where it'll be interesting. To try. I mean, for something that's going to be big, like you know, I've seen adverts where, not specifically advertising Alexa skills, but adverts where at the end of the advert, it's got like the little mobile icon and a little TV icon and it's got like a little Alexa symbol so you can see that people are starting to put the badge places and stuff like that, so I could see how you know, if you're looking at skill enablements or action sort of uses at the time when your advert went live and it goes up you can see a rough correlation but i think that broadly there's probably a bit of a challenge there isn't there in terms of attributing ad spend to actual yeah
2: usage yeah there's definitely a bit of tech that's needed but there's there's also some like testing methodology which we could we could think about and, and and borrow from mobile so say for example if we're trying to um promote mobile or a mobile app or a, a website and it wasn't really an acquisition play it was more of a branding play so in that example where there's less of a, a you know somebody's literally going to buy something it's more about awareness what we often do is you can uh, basically have one week on advertisement and then one week off advertisement and then you can kind of see the difference in in what's happening um the other one is also regional. Um, so we, we would advertise in this city for one week. And then we'd see, do we then get an increased amount of users from that city? And then we advertise in a different one. And then you can kind of basically, you look for uplift percentages. So when we do advertise, we get an uplift of usage by X percentage. And it's not 100% accurate, but also that requires then thinking about the, the data that we get in um, in uh, from Alexa and the data that we get from Google and in Dialogflow and in, and in the console is uh, I'm trying to think back to it, but basically you can just segment by whether it's somebody using web or no sorry, somebody's using a speaker or whether they're using the assistant on web and then you can maybe segment by UK, US, et cetera. So there is going to be some some problems on, on that side of things. Um, thinking back to the links that you just mentioned before, you could start to um, add tracking codes to the links. So I think I mentioned uh, ASOS before. So ASOS recently launched an action in, in the UK. Um, I wasn't part of it, but I was checking it out. And basically you start the conversation, you ask about, oh, I want to buy a jacket, what type of jacket, what price? And then it goes multimodal. It sends you your phone and it says, here's the results on your phone. And then if you click at any of the links, you can actually see that they've done what they call uh, Google Analytics campaign tracking. So they basically say, as soon as you hit that link and it goes through to the website, they say the source is organic and the medium is the Google Assistant. So normally we say the source is organic, the medium is Bing, the medium is Google. So straight away, ASOS will be then able to start to see how many visits they are getting via the Google Assistant. And then if anybody ends up purchasing anything, their e-commerce tracking would actually attribute that back to to that. Um, So, yeah, there's there's, there's elements of it can be tracked, but in terms of that full, I put an advert on Gmail, I put an advert on YouTube as a pre-roll, I put an advert here all the way to the user then reached my end goal, which was, I don't know, they booked a train ticket or they did actually go and purchase something after using voice. Um, that's, that's difficult. Um, the one thing that could happen, and it's been mentioned already, is that because you're logged into your assistant using your Google account, that's probably going to be the same Google account that you're using on search and on your phone. And so what they are starting to do, in, 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 the, in the U.S., there's a thing called the Google Express. So Google Express is basically shopping. And in the U.S., if you're on the Google Assistant, within certain regions, you can say, I want to buy some washing-up liquid, and then they'll recommend Tide or something. And the reason that it has, um, and the reason that works is that Tide has started to advertise, and what Google can start to do is they can attribute that sale back to voice. So they are actually doing something in the back end, which is saying, I can see the entire journey, and we're going to attribute this back to this, to this, to this. And it's really interesting that it's the same for Amazon because they know what you're going to purchase via Amazon, and then they know that that's the same Amazon account that you're using on your speaker. So they do have this unique identifier which is your email address to go across everything and it's something that google did in the have already done so if you start your search on your mobile and then you go home and then you finish searching on your laptop but you're on the same google account in google analytics they stitch those two data paths together and then they can say user started here on mobile they went to desktop then they purchased so we can start to see how much importance is that in journey and i just think they'll just slot in voice as another kind of path in that journey in the future and and that will then really help myself and other companies go to brands and say right this is the sales that they're getting or you know you know five percent of the people that purchased this product at some point did use voice as part of the research process so it's a valuable thing yeah they weren't doing the end the end uh, you know purchase part wasn't on voice but it was int- it was it was the first point in in, in mm. that journey
0: hmm it's interesting because it seems as though um there's a lot of areas where voice and Google Assistant and Alexa can be kind of slotted into some of the existing infrastructure. I mean, you've been talking there around, you know, feeding it into the existing analytics infrastructure. But in terms of actually getting a presence on these things, and in terms of kind of like, you know, ranking, for example, for argument's sake, or being the action that gets used, that's then something entirely different that brands need to consider that's not something that they can incorporate into their current thing that's something that they will very much need to go away and build and one of the things I've kind of been thinking recently is with all the screen-based devices kicking around I think I flippantly made a video on LinkedIn which was saying that with all of these screen-based devices I think we're going to have to rebuild the internet basically <laughs> because <laughs> you, you can't just take your website and just plumb it into to Google assistant you, you will need to specifically create the experience with all of your images or your videos or whatever create the conversational experiences um, Um, and build the whole thing um, in order to get that multimodal experience seamless and working as well as websites do and you've been talking there around building actions that answer questions so it seems as though because i've been thinking about it in shopping so i wonder whether whether to get your opinion on this take it forward maybe three years is it a case that we do need to almost rebuild some of the internet within these platforms so that questions specific questions can be answered or or specific shopping paths can be fulfilled. Is it a case of actually taking what is on the internet and then almost repurposing it or redesigning it mm. all within these assistant platforms? would you would Yeah, you agree with that or not? It's,
2: it's really really difficult to say, but I think um and we've been talking with a company who basically specifically on shopping, they are kind of like the go-between between uh, an individual product like fish fingers or bird's eye and the supermarkets. So they digitize all the information from a, a physical product and they basically say these are the dimensions of it, this is the fat contents of it, is it halal, is it kosher, is it this, is it vegetarian, is it vegan, etc. And what we're saying is that they're in a fantastic opportunity because they're like the data provider which then means that, you know, if you're supplying that information to your website, the website is going to work a lot, lot better for when somebody search for vegan lasagna recipes because, you know, it's going to return the correct in- ingredients that are applicable to that. And then the same with voice, it's going to be able to, to provide that information. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great question and it's, it's, it's hard to know. And a little bit of that is really about... Um, as a business, it's going to be hard for people to invest that time to, to change their data and, and, and to kind of do that without knowing the, the volumes, etc. But I do think there is this methodology around um, companies don't really build websites anymore. You actually build a website and then you basically create an API and then you integrate things into it. So say for example, Strava, Strava is just a big database. So it, it tracks your cycling, so or it tracks your running. And essentially a new device comes along and then they just create an interface for it. that attaches to it, web, your your phone, your, your kind of... Um, your, your your, smartwatches or your Google Assistant. So I think that is one thing that, that companies need to think about is that it's, it's a data a- approach first to create a database. And if they've got a really good database with clean data that then can be filtered and sorted, et cetera, then it doesn't really matter what the input and output fl- platform is because I think that's one of the things that's been mentioned in the past, that voice is just the latest iteration of an input-output device for users. And so that, you know, if you've got that core in the background and that's up and running, then then great. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned it in the past. I've uh, uh, been talking previously. Halifax launched an action called the Jargon Buster. And, you know, hats off for them getting something live because I know how hard it is to work with financial organizations. But you ask it a question and it says, what stamp duty or how does a mortgage work? And it gives back literally a two minute explanation (laughs) and you can just tell it's the same explanation that's being signed off by um, their financial compliance department for web. And it's like, (laughs) do not, don't port that over to voice because it's a a really poor experience. And, and, and so that's where, yeah, you can't just take what you're doing on web and and move it over. Um, And it's the same with some of the stuff that we mentioned before, like, if it's a question like, how do I install a dash cam or how do I uh, fix my TV? I probably don't want a voice assistant speaker to show me how to do that. If I'm on my brand new Google Home Hub, maybe that's a really good experience because I can go steps, next step, next step, etc. cetera. Um, so, yeah, and it goes back to what a lot of the previous podcasters have said. Use case, find the use case, find what's useful. Don't build for use cases which are poor. Don't build for use cases that Google can or Amazon can handle first party. Try and find something that is really useful, uh, and then and then work backwards uh, from there.
0: We good. It's been fantastic, this John. Quickly before we go, what's your sort of predictions for the future of of discoverability on, yeah. on these voice assistants? So I
2: think the the, the first thing is that. There's going to be almost like a honeymoon period, I think, with this uh, implicit invocation where the companies that get out there and, and get the data and get a good experience will start to you know, say you know, a good percentage of their usage will come from non-branded. And I think the companies that move quicker on that are going to be able to get more data, learn what voice works, what voice doesn't work, etc. But then there may be a kind of a period where Google starts to say, right, we're actually... You know, we're up in the stakes in terms of what you can be allowed to do and what you can't be allowed to do. Um, the one other thing that um, uh, would be mentioned is that you know Google might take stuff first party. So I, I think one of the things I saw was job search. So in 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 the, in search, job search is now something that's live on Google. So you, you search for a job, Google displays a box. So therefore, if you create a Google action for jobs. Overnight, Google could go, no, anything to do with jobs. We're just going to answer first party ourselves. So I think that's um, a a warning. And then I think the other side is that there's probably going to be a paid model, but I don't think it's going to be you can pay to be the voice output. I think it's going to be more around here's a payment um, system or there's a paid option that's going to allow users of these devices to find you know out that you know this is a skill and i think that's just going to be very much using existing tech and existing dsps and existing inventory that amazon and and google have but they'll just be able to overlay that with we know that these users are users of alexa and they're users of the google assistant so therefore the targeting is going to be better Um, and but yeah i had loads of notes on this as well skill to skill is interesting Yes. So, if I'm in a skill and I ask three questions, and it can't answer it, Google might go, "Well, take what there's another skill." So, could you, you know, if you're if 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 I, if, it, if I'm in the ver- uh, the train line skill or asking about trains, and then I ask start to ask about hotels, could they then say, "Well, actually, there's a different skill." And so that could be something that's really interesting because um, you don't want to keep somebody locked down within one skill when they're asking something that that skill or action can't answer. So
0: Mm. really interesting. Amazon sort of released, uh, I don't know if they've released it yet, but they announced skill-to-skill connections, didn't they, recently? Yeah,
2: but I'm not sure if that's just kind of like you've been able to move from your own skill to another skill and you need both of those skills to be, uh, you know, uh, agreement of that. Or it's some sort of like oh you know um, the uh, this company is partnered up with this company because they have a mutual relationship and you know they're going to work together so it's kind of of that or if it's just a, a free for all we don't think you're having a good experience here and then we're going to move you over there.
0: But mm. um, so what you're talking about there is essentially escalating. You're, you're escalating something that the skill can't manage. Yeah. Over to somewhere else that might be able to, or recognizing that it's off topic for what you can handle. Yeah. So throwing it back out to the assistant yeah. to find something else on it's, this topic.
2: It's kind of like implicit invocation, but within a skill. And so yeah. if, if, if you have a Google action at this moment in time and, and the user asks, I think it's three things, and then your skill returns an error every single time Google just shuts you down because they don't want the user to just get shut in it. So maybe that's a different kind of methodology to say, you know, the user's not having a good experience here. I'm going to send them off to another skill. And that might be because they're asking for something different or it might be that that skill's not fulfilling it. But, yeah, lots of uh, uh, possibilities and we just have to, I guess, read the Alexa blog and uh, try and get on those beta lists and see what's happening.
0: <laughs> Wicked, John. This has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people check out Rabbit and Pork and where can people kind of find out what you're up to and, and learn a bit more about all the stuff that's going on i'll reach out to you?
2: So, um, yeah, don't go to the website because there's one not there at the moment. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, jobs, jobs to be done, but yeah, I guess on Twitter, I'm uh, John. So, J O H N. P Campbell so John P Campbell and then uh, on uh, also on Twitter we've got rabbit underscore and pork so yeah I'm sure you add those to the show notes but I think that's where I'm going to be on, on on there and then um, hopefully uh, try and do some more speaking things in London so I know that the, 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 the community is quite vibrant here so I'll try and do more of those things and uh, I'm trying to add to the idea of sharing this data. Uh, you know uh, you know, these, this is stuff that I've been working on for the past like year and obviously I'm working on new stuff so I'm not going to go through all of that but uh, <laughs> I'll be doing more speaking gigs and, and stuff like that as well
0: wicked John this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us and spending the time and sharing all of those insights it's been absolutely amazing thank you so much okay no problems thanks very much That was John Campbell of Roast, or now of Rabbit and Pork. Cool little name that I like that. Um, Yeah, thank you, John, for joining us. That was an amazing discussion. I think some of the insights that we covered in there are absolutely immense. First of all, Google is, in cases, prioritising actions over and above search results. And in some cases... It's not even given results whatsoever. Um, so if you do build yourself an action right now, it may be that you can start picking up some of that traffic from day one. Um, the other thing that is interesting is that once you rank once you're ranking for those searches and you're getting people into your action, they're then in the action, you then have the opportunity to keep them engaged or keep them coming back beyond there. Plus, once they're in your action, in your action, you then get that data. You see what they're searching for. You see what else they want. And John was mentioning all kinds of stuff there around people starting broad when they're looking for house prices in Manchester, and then drilling down and down and down to something more specific. So that kind of insight and data can then lead you into further iterations of the action or skill um, to keep on kind of, you know, creating more of a well-rounded product. Um, interesting stuff around the future as well in terms of potentially skill-to-skill escalations or connections. I know Amazon are working on something along those kind of lines, but it sounds as though um, that could be a way to go. Really good information as well, insights in terms of how you might be able to do some kind of uh, advertising for explicit invocations, so using the existing ad infrastructure to target people who own Alexa devices or who own Google Assistant uh, or Google Home devices rather really really interesting such such an interesting discussion thank you John for joining us I hope that does give you all the uh, the impetus that you need to go start creating some of these actions uh, I think that it sounds as though Coming from a background of SEO really gives you that data-driven approach. You're not just picking ideas out of the sky and running with it. You're actually looking at what people are searching for. You're using the data that's coming through the action. You're using all of these different data points to start creating something that actually matters. You know, John was mentioning pulling contact center data to get uh, different ways of of phrasing your intents and stuff like that. So it it seems as though the SEO industry and people within SEO, and John included, have got a, a really good pedigree in terms of coming up with these ideas is and and using that data to to steer you in the right direction so yeah interesting times thank you again john uh, for joining us thank you dustin for co-hosting and as ever boys and girls thank you all for listening until next time see you later